one rural church that Sunday morning uh, in British Columbia. And it was sort of the typical discussion in the car. You have your family, um, you have your kids, and uh, they've gone through this multiple times with mom and dad. And uh, we were just sort of going through the routine of the discussion of a Sunday morning on what we would call deputation or this itinerant ministry. And uh, we had no idea that morning what God had in store for us. The kids asked me the typical question, you know, Daddy, are you going to say the same things over again? <laughs> you know, are you going to preach the same sermon? <laughs> he did. As much as everything seemed so routine, we absolutely had no idea that God had placed a very specific person that morning in that church to bless us. Still brings emotion to my heart because... As we were inside the auditorium, uh, actually in the foyer, greeting the pastor and meeting with a few of the people as they were coming in and so forth, a lady pulled Donna aside and she asked her this question. Do you have any footwear needs? Well, if it had been me, I probably the first thing I would have done was look down to see whether I had my slippers on. But she was serious. Do you have any footwear needs? And uh, I caught Dawn off guard a little bit, and it was, well, um, well, we don't have any winter footwear. And she says, I want you to come to my store this afternoon, after dinner, after the lunch. And so we did, as she had requested, we went to the store. And I don't know if it was a half an hour or 45 minutes later, we walked out with over $500 free footwear for the winter. She owned the shoe store. God had blessed her and placed her there to bless us. What place do you have in life's journey? Where has God placed you to be a blessing to someone else? To the household of faith, other believers, Maybe someone that isn't part of the household of faith. And maybe even especially those that are called to full-time ministry in the service of the Lord. In the Old Testament, and I'm going to see if I've got this working. We do. Abraham was told that he was going to be the father of the nation of Israel. And this is the promise that God gave to Abraham. It's a promise that for us continues today as the church. The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. 
and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Throughout the scripture, it's very clear that God intends that his people are to be a channel of blessing. God's chosen to bless through his people, through you and I. And our scripture this morning, I want to take us to 1 Kings. If you have your Bible, you can open 1 Kings chapter 17. We're going to look at specifically verses 7 to 24, but we'll make a little reference into the first verses of the chapter and also a little reference into chapter 18. We're in chapter 17 in the life of Elijah. And I want to read for you, and we have up there on the screen, if I'm doing my job, the first uh, verses, and then we'll just uh, change the slide over and read the last part of this section. So read along with me. Sometime later, the brook dried up. Elijah had been beside the brook of Kareth. There had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Seraphis in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow to supply you with food. So he went to Seraphith. He came to, and when he came to the gate, the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make me a small loaf of bread from the, what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the Lord, word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid on him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him 
to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. As we know, Elijah was God's prophet. He was proclaiming God's truth to the people. And this whole story revolves around Elijah and a need. A need that had developed in his life. Would you bring me a little water? Switch this one. Thank you. There we go. I can blast us out with this one too. So the whole story surrounds Elijah. And it surrounds that one little phrase, really. Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? I want to challenge you this morning that you are important in God's plan. Every one of you individually is important in God's plan. If you're his child... He wants to bless others through you. The question obviously is, where do you fit into God's big picture? And so I want to draw a little bit of an analogy here between Elijah and the widow and you and those that God brings into your life journey. God places people in our path. And in our story today, it was very obvious in Elijah's life, God placed this widow lady. He specifically put her there for a purpose and a plan. Let's just take a minute and look at the facts here, just to make sure that we have captivated well the, the, the picture, the dynamic of what's happening. In the first seven verses of this chapter we see that the Lord has mandated Elijah to go to the brook of Kareth, and there he was fed by the ravens and cared for by the Lord. And the reason for that is that there was a drought. The drought was brought on by Elijah, obviously by God, but through Elijah's prayer. And Elijah had given warning to King Ahaz that this was going to happen, that there was going to be a drought, and obviously the drought impacted Elijah himself. And so he's been by the brook, but then obviously what happens in the drought is that the brook dries up. And so Elijah is told, as we read in the story, to go to Seraphath. At the same time, we see in chapter 18 the information that Jezebel has been killing off all of the prophets of God. She has been annihilating any representation of God within the nation of Israel. She is determined not only to take care of the other prophets, but we can read in verse 10, as you have up there on the screen, that Elijah was part of the picture. As surely as the Lord God, your God lives, this is Obadiah the prophet speaking, there is not a nation or a kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear they could not find you. So Elijah's life was threatened. 
Elijah had been directed to Seraphath. The brook has dried up. But in the meantime and in the process of God's good wisdom, he has prepared a widow. And scripture very clearly tells us that this was a prepared situation. Just as he desires to prepare each and every one of us to be a blessing, a channel of blessing to others. Elijah had ministry still to complete. The widow was really at a point in her life where there was no future. All she knew was, I've got a little bit of bread, or a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour, so I'll have a little bit of bread, I'll eat it with my son, and I'm going to die. Her future was non-existent in her thinking. Elijah's ministry, as we would see in chapter 18, was to minister on Mount Carmel, and many of us would remember the story of the altars on Mount Carmel and the fact that God sent down fire on the altar of Elijah. Elijah's message in chapter 18 focuses around these words. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. So the message that Elijah still had in his future was a significant message for the nation of Israel that was totally involved, probably historians say, in the worst period of idolatry that they ever experienced in their history. And Elijah was to minister into that situation. So those are some of the facts that we have here around this incident in Seraphath. But there's also some concepts that we need to understand. Those that we don't want to lose sight of in the general picture of what God does in his work in our realm of this earth and his purposes and plans. First of all, we don't want to not lose sight of the fact that God is at work. Simply said, he is at work at all times in all places. Not necessarily can we always observe it with our human finite minds, but he is at work. The other concept that comes through very clearly in scripture is that he's inviting us to get involved in his work. He wants to use us to accomplish his will. And the question is not what is God's will for my life, but the question is better expressed as simply what is God's will? I am an instrument, you are an instrument or a vessel that God desires as his child to accomplish his will. He wants you to use you to accomplish his will. He wants you to be a channel of blessing. And please note here that I'm saying a channel of blessing, not the source of blessing. There's a significant difference between being the source of blessing and the channel of blessing. And in our text that we read in Genesis, it was very clear that God was saying to Abraham and to the nation of Israel, it was through them that he was going to bless. He was going to be the source of the blessing. And it was through his people that he would bless. So I want to just take a few minutes 
and look at what's involved in being a channel of blessing. What are the traits? What are the traits? I've been going backwards here, have I? Well, we'll go ahead now. Whoop. Why are we missing one slide? There we go. There we are. First trait. You have to be available to hear God's voice. Obviously, we don't know the circumstances. We don't know the situation. We don't know how God spoke to the widow in Zarephath. But scripture clearly tells us he prepared the widow. He will prepare you and me. And folks, it doesn't matter our status. It doesn't matter where we are in relationship to wealth. It doesn't matter whether you're single or married. It doesn't matter whether you're old or young. God is prepared to prepare you to be a channel of blessing. The widow had very little, far less than probably most of us would have a right to claim here in this auditorium this morning. She had so little, she was preparing to die. But God chose her, and God was prepared to do what it would, need, would need to be done so that she could be a blessing to someone else. And the Lord had prepared her ahead of time to be that blessing. What is he going to do in your life? What is he going to do in my life? I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to prepare you. He may give you skills. He may give you an experience that you can use to comfort someone else. And he may give you material resources that you can bless someone materially. But the fact is that God will be the source of the blessing and he will prepare you to be that channel of blessing but you have to be listening for God's voice. You have to be prepared. You have to be open. Can you recall an occasion when you heard the voice of the Lord speaking, asking you to bless someone, and you felt uneasy and resisted to respond and obey? I ask you that question because I have to confess that for myself the answer is yes. And probably multiple times when I would hate to count the number of times when God has provided an opportunity and there's been that small voice inside the Holy Spirit saying I want you to be the channel of blessing and unfortunately I've hesitated or simply disobeyed so I ask you the same question God wants us to learn to trust him and one of those ways he teaches us to trust is by using us as a channel of blessing. He wants us to lean on him as we are that channel of blessing. I've got the wrong button in my hand. That's why I have the problem. Secondly, you've got to have your priorities set right. You've got to have those priorities in place. 
that are biblical priorities. You know what the first priority is? is recognition that what I have is to be used by the Lord at his discretion. That's a challenging one. It can sometimes be challenging if we're just talking about the material things. But it can also be challenging if we're talking about the skills and the education and the preparation that he's allowed us to accomplish, to attain in our life journey. But he wants to use it. He wants to use it for us to be a blessing. I have to recognize that all that I have is the Lord's. I'm only an administrator. Scripture points this out very clearly to us. He made everything. He owns everything. The question is not, am I able? The question is, is God able? Faith is indispensable. In verse 10 of our scripture, Elijah didn't have any idea which widow it was going to be. Scripture seems to suggest to us that he just chose the first one he saw as he was arriving in Seraphath. He spoke to that widow. God had directed him, obviously. In verse 11, it's interesting to see that she had her priorities right in the sense that with the initial request, there was no hesitation. There was no hesitation. When he asked for that cup of water, that jar of water, she immediately, as far as we see in Scripture, responded. She was on her way. Probably a small sacrifice, and it may have been a little bit of a sacrifice. Remember, they were living in a significant drought. I don't know how accessible water was. But she never hesitated. She started on the journey. She started on the move to go and get the water. In a few minutes, we'll see a little bit more of the challenge that developed. So we need to get our priorities straightened out. If we want to have that characteristic of being a channel of blessing as one of the Lord's children, we have to have the priorities right. And fear is natural. Fear is natural. She had fear. Elijah spoke to that fear. When God asks us to bless others, it often demands a significant exercise of faith. We can often sense and feel insufficient. Another story from our days in Colombia. During our time in Colombia, one of the things that we experienced along with so many others was we experienced an armed robbery in our home. Three men uh, broke into our home as we were putting our car into the garage and held us at gunpoint and stole about $7,000 worth of, um, of stuff out of the house. And uh, sometimes people say, well, you say $7,000. How did you have $7,000 worth of contents in your house as a missionary? Well, start adding up the contents in your house and you'll all of a sudden discover pretty quickly that uh, $7,000 isn't very much. They took it, they loaded it in our car and took off with our car. The car was not considered in the 7,000 simply because we were able to get it back within 24 hours. They abandoned it. They used it just to take our things. So the question is, well, where did we experience God's channel of blessing in that one? Well, 
Interestingly enough, that obviously the news came to Canada, our churches and our supporters, individuals in Canada were made aware of what we had been experiencing. They were praying for us. But the amazing thing is that God, in that next period of about one year, some of it very quickly, some of it in a little bit more of an extended period of time, replaced all of those things. Not that we actually had the material things replaced because some of them were irreplaceable. But the fact is that God gave us finances to replace the things that needed to be replaced. People in Canada, some we knew, some we didn't know, churches we knew, some we didn't know, all became a channel of blessing for us. God had prepared to bless us through his people. And this leads us to the third. You've got to accept the Lord's testing. It was interesting how Elijah tested the widow. And I'm not so sure that Elijah was maybe even thinking, and I'm supposing here, that he was really going to test the widow. But Elijah knew that he wanted to eat, and he knew that he was no longer being fed by the ravens. And so he asks for something additional. Make me some bread from that little bit of flour and oil that you have. Now, it's interesting here, the demand on her experience of faith and keeping her priorities correct for the widow was now challenged. And there's a little bit of an objection. She says, but, and then expresses her situation. I don't have enough. If I give to you, we will go without, is what is implied there. But she's willing to get beyond that as Elijah speaks into her heart. Because Elijah shares with her the truth of what God does when he prepares someone to bless someone else. Elijah says, God will provide. He will fill in the gaps. He's going to provide the oil. He's going to provide the flour. Don't hesitate. And she, should, she obeyed. And I've often wondered, as I read this through again and studied this a little bit, I've often wondered, did she know that she was committing to three years? It was a simple appearing one-time request. But this went on for three years. In the New Testament, Jesus makes reference to this incident and he says that it was a three and a half year period. And I'm giving the benefit of the doubt here that maybe, maybe it was just a little less for her. But three years. Three years that she was going to see God provide and she was going to be able to be a blessing to Elijah. But the other aspect here concerning further testing. And we're not going to go into details here, but it's, it's the story of her son. You see, she, she obeys. She's doing what God has asked her to do, to be a channel of blessing to Elijah, providing him with food and accommodation. And then her son is sick, passes away. And of course her 
cry at that point is, Elijah, did you come into my life where I was being a channel of blessing to you and now look at my circumstances and situation? And of course, Elijah takes into his control very quickly the dynamic of taking that son up onto the what we would understand the roof of the building where he had his accommodation. He prays over him and cries out to the Lord and the Lord responds and restores life to the son. So we have to be hearing God's voice. We have to have our priorities straight. We have to recognize that just because we obey and be, start to be a channel of blessing to someone or engage in being a channel to bl of blessing to someone, the testing is necessarily not over. And then we find that we have that beautiful experience of growing in our knowledge of God and his truth. Notice verse 24 in our scripture. It very clearly says that the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. That little phrase, now I know, tells us of the learning experience, the wonderful journey that she had been on, as difficult as it was, of being a channel of blessing to Elijah, had created in her spiritual growth. She understood in a deep way who this God was that Elijah spoke of on a continual basis. Both her knowledge of the Lord and truth increased. And the beautiful part of what I see here is that not only were Elijah's needs met, but so were hers. The whole journey of being in, walking in that direction of no future, death on the horizon becomes for her a totally different picture. Because as she became a channel of blessing to Elijah, she was blessed with this outflow of flour and oil for her and her son. So often as we step in and grow in our knowledge of the Lord, we also will experience that blessing of being a channel of blessing. The last one you'll become a vital part, a vital part of God accomplishing his will. Not of you accomplishing God's will, but of God accomplishing his will through you. And this is where if we just take a moment and focus on the content of chapter 18, where we have the story of Mount Carmel, we see how God takes Elijah from this situation. The drought comes to an end. And Elijah is on Mount Carmel facing, facing the prophets of Baal. And in his message and in his activity on that mount, he shows the amazing divine power of the one who he serves. 
he was kept alive by the widow being a channel of blessing so that he could impact the nation of Israel in a very, very significant way. You'll never know, I should say you'll often never know God's plan and purpose when he asks you to be a channel of blessing and what the outcomes will be in the life of the one that you bless. You'll often never know the end story. You'll never see the results. But God has a purpose and a desire to use you as a channel of blessing. It all boils down to getting involved. And it means that you're going to have to make a choice. An opportunity will come. That voice of the Spirit within you will say, here's an opportunity to bless And as I've said, it doesn't necessarily need to be material. It may be coming alongside of someone else simply with words of encouragement. He wants you to be that channel of blessing, but you have to make a choice. Are you going to be that channel of blessing or are you not? It'll reflect your value system, the choice you make. And it'll affect your lifestyle. Our behavior behavior has to be impacted. It has to be affected. It has to be changed often. Because we don't naturally incline to bless others. Some do more than others, but it's just not a natural inclination. Why? Because of our sinful nature. We're focused on ourselves, not on others. Scripture clearly points that out. That our natural sinful nature tends... To be me, myself, and I, not others. So that behavior has to change. There has to be a sincere commitment. There has to be that prayer, Lord, where do you want me to be a channel of blessing? I want to close with this quote. It's from another Nielsen, but uh, I don't know who that Nielsen is. But it was a quote that I found that really sort of summed it all up. God has blessed you. Count your blessings. But don't stop there. You are blessed to be a blessing. God's intention is that all the nations of the earth should be blessed by your actions, of by the actions of God's people. God is working the salvation of the world through us. It's our job. The Jews were not chosen by God for special privilege but for special service. It's the same for Christians and for anybody else who receives God's blessing. Don't hoard it, spread it. Don't pay back. This phrase that has captured us today, pay it forward. For every every material blessing you've received, for the gift of talent or health or land or a kind and loving spirit, Whatever it is, you were given that blessing in order that you might use it to bless others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that in your significant plan and your perfect plan, you've chosen us, vessels of clay, 
to bless others. Father, you've chosen to use us as a channel of blessing. Father, may we have a, an ear inclined to your voice. Father, may we find ourselves as the widow lady, willing to step out, willing to exercise faith, willing to recognize that as we bless others, the journey may not always be easy. But Father, you've challenged us and chosen us to use us. May we be known as a people of blessing. And Father, may we always keep our eyes on you, the source of the blessing that you desire to channel through us. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Father, allow it to penetrate and speak in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.